0: I had a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine who's a, who's a colleague, paramedic, and he, we both had the same amount of experience in. He went, he told me he went off with prostate cancer about 10 years ago and he got cards and letters and visits from management and staff. And when he got a mental stress injury, crickets, nothing. Not only from management, but from staff members too. I don't even think the staff members know what to say. I don't even know they know what to do. But, it's critical to know that somebody's there. And PTSD sufferers feel isolated and alone because they are isolated and alone. And we can change all of it.
1: Welcome to 105, the official podcast of the OPP Association. My name is Scott Mills, your host today of the Ten Five Podcast. My co-host is Sergeant Ann McEwen of the Fort Francis OPP detachment in the Rainy River District. Welcome back to the podcast, Ann.
2: Thank you. It's nice to be back, Scott. And also, I want to say thank you for the invitation to co-host this morning. Uh, for new listeners. The OPP Association is the sole bargaining agent for close to 10,000 members of the Ontario Provincial Police in Canada. The rallying call of the OPPA is: our members are our focus and our strength.
1: Exactly, and uh, it's kind of neat to switch it up uh, because you get a different perspective when somebody else is asking the questions. I think, and uh, this is this is exciting. Uh, for me that that you're here to co-host and uh for our listeners the goal of our podcast is to provide important information to our members uh, and the public about matters that affect policing uh, in the province of ontario and i'm going to turn it over here to ann
2: well and i think that that's it's a awesome experience for me as well because this is actually the first podcast that i've Hosted, co-hosted with someone, and I have been a guest before on another uh, on another podcast. However, I'm really proud today to um, have our guest on. It's he's someone that I've come to know It's part of my journey with PTSD, uh, major depression, anxiety, um, and it, we were introduced by a colleague that knows him as well as me, because he heard us both talking about our experiences with mental health, mental illness. So I'd like to welcome paramedic, Pat Dixon of the Thunder Bay EMS. And he joins the podcast today to discuss his 30 year career working as a paramedic and his eventual PTSD diagnosis. So we're gonna compare some of that journey today as being both a Northern Ontario police officer who has struggled with PTSD And uh, our hope today is that our listeners will gain a perspective on some of the trials and tribulations of being a first responder in the north, learning from our stories and especially the similarities in our journeys as we deal with our relevant and our respective organizations. And hopefully the dialogue today can help educate others who are striving to improve working conditions for first responders in northern Ontario and everywhere. So I would like to welcome Pat to the podcast. Good morning.
0: Well, thanks for having me, Anne, and I'm very happy to be here. And like you said, that's how we met. We met because we both spoke out, and a colleague of yours, an OPP Sergeant in Thunder Bay that I've been talking with, he he saw the connection that we both wanted to make change, and just by the simple act of speaking out is how we met. Pat's uh, really
1: great uh, that you've joined us. I think it's the first time we've had a paramedic on the Ten Five podcast here, so we're honored to have you today. I know Anne has a, a great and positive plan uh, for our episode today uh, because you two are going to make a difference here today, and uh, I'm happy to completely turn it over to Anne uh, to host from this point on, and over to you, Anne. Great,
2: thanks Scott. So Pat, I was wondering if you might want to start with sharing your background as a 30-year paramedic. And feel free, you can be as long or short with your introduction as you'd like.
0: Uh, I worked as a paramedic in Thunder Bay from 1989 to 2019. I worked for 30 years on land ambulance and I also worked 10 years on part-time on the air ambulance helicopter and the job was fantastic i loved the job i really did and i really thought i was going to make it to retirement and i almost did but i didn't and i really believe there's a reason i didn't and once i started to accept like i went off with ptsd in 2019 i entered the mental health stress injury program and therapy completely changed the course of my life i look back on being a paramedic now and if I would have had all these skills that I learned decades ago, I would have clearly made it to the end of my retirement. But then I began, after I, after I went off with PTSD, uh, I began looking at things in an entirely different light, but I, I suffered through some things that we're gonna be talking about, identity loss. You know, Some of the things were really difficult to accept, but once I accepted them, that's when I realized that my 30 years in ambulance we're for this. We're for this right here. And mm. to educate people, to talk about it, to get it out in the open. Because what's happening right now is poisoning everybody in the workplace.
2: Right. And we've talked about we have a similarity too, because we see the same psychologist at a Thunder Bay. And that that's the, the power of the psychology has really been helpful for both of us and we've talked about that. Can you can you share a little bit about your experiences or your journey with working with a psychologist and the, the power of the education and the information, how it's helped you? Uh,
0: yeah, I'd love to talk about that because it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, we both have a, the same psychologist. We'll call him Dr. J, who is an amazing man who changed my life. He became my life coach, and he taught me how to process what the hell just happened to me because I was lost. I didn't know who the hell I was anymore. I was suffering from identity loss. And it took me about three months into therapy, and I started to really respond, really connect with this man, because it was the first time anybody ever showed me the support that I craved so desperately. And one day he said to me, that, you know what the best revenge is, Pat? The best revenge is a life well lived. So go out there and find something else you could be passionate about. Go be the star in your own movie. You know, maybe all this happened for a reason. And I started looking at everything as as destiny. As just, and it was all because of psychology. And all because of occupational therapy. All provided by the WSIB. I'm forever indebted to the... um Mental Stress Injury Program at the WSIV, they provided all of it for me.
2: Right. And and I'm off right now as well uh, through a WSIV program and uh, working through the same, uh, building my education, building my awareness, building my um, capacity to not only manage my PTSD, my major depression, my anxiety, but also to help my family understand it right and there's an importance of not only learning for yourself but sharing these little gems of wisdom with the people who love us and support us can you talk a little bit about your journey with your family um because we we often reflect about ptsd once we learn about it as a family disease right we bring it back to our family piece by piece by piece so talking and communicating with our family how is that How has that worked for you, and what are some gems of wisdom that you gained?
0: Well, what worked for me was, first of all, accepting that I was the problem. I couldn't blame anyone or anybody else for my problems. It was all about me. And once I accepted that, and I started really applying what I was learning in some of the the materials that I was given, this education, these books that I so desperately wanted. We both talk about it. And the book, I Want to Change My Life, it changed my life, not by reading it, but by becoming a practitioner of what you learn in the book with the power of repetition. And that's where occupational therapy came in. Mm Because when I started seeing an occupational therapist, I didn't even know what one did. I said, what the hell are they going to do for me? Well, let me tell you, the occupational therapy was incredibly helpful because they teach you simple things like failing to prepare is preparing to fail. When you get home, don't just put your stuff down, put it away. Put your keys away, put your wallet away, put your phone away. All in the same spot every time. The next day, you wake up, you don't run around the house looking for those things. It took me three That's so simple and so basic, eh? But so hard for the PTSD mind. For the PTSD mind, it took me three months to just do those simple little things. But now, it's become part of my daily practice. So simple. Psychology and occupational therapy brought me right back to the basics. And that's what we need to do. We need to focus on educating people about the basics.
2: Well, and it's a it's a little small step and you and I were discussing that a couple of weeks back. And you know, it's you get it's not major gems of knowledge, it's little tiny pieces that add up or that layer like an onion, right? And it mm-hmm. it's these little things that you can make little changes in when your life feels like it's out of control when your world seems chaotic because you're not understanding what the symptoms of the PTSD are fully or you're not understanding cognitively what your brain is doing, then a little step like putting things away becomes a major impact in your life. And that was one of the things that my daughter was constantly bringing to my attention that I would just kind of, yeah, whatever. I'm coming home, I'm not putting my things away, but she's saying, mom, I, like I've, we've got a common space with the kitchen and there would be clutter. And that would upset her. Well, when you reflect on it a little bit, I wasn't really aware or cognizant of how my PTSD was traumatizing my family members. And I say that traumatizing because over the years, over the years, it builds up. But my family was also being secondary secondarily traumatized or impacted. And she was telling me what she needed. Well, it turned out it's what I needed as well. So once we we woke up to it and we understood it, the putting away of things became life changing in our household.
0: Amazing, the isn't chaos, it?
2: Chaos. It is amazing. And I didn't really put two and two together until you told me about your experience. So I'm grateful for that. And it's, it helps the relationship between me, my daughter, and I, which I'm yep. forever grateful with. If anything, any tips can come my way to help me nurture that relationship, really. And I wanted to say, too, that, you know, your occupational therapist giving you a little tip like that, and there's many of them, and I know that that's just one of them. Mm-hmm. But, but your occupational therapist would also the therapy would match what Dr. J is giving because he's telling you to find something outside of paramedicine. He's telling you to find another purpose, another joy. And that alone is very challenging. And you've know, talked to me as well about the gem of knowledge from the egoic mind Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: the, the tips that come from that. So when you were leaving paramedicine, it really wasn't, it was by choice to leave to get well, but it wasn't your choice to leave before you retired. So I That's wanted right. to ask you, tell me, about, tell me about your learning about the egoic mind.
0: Well, I didn't know any of this until I, until I educated myself about this before I went off. If I would have known this before I went off, I wouldn't have went off. But PTSD stems from, A complete lack of support and education in the workplace. And this is the important part. Fears. Fears of losing control. Fears of losing control of your career, of your life, of your family. It's all fears. And it all comes from the egoic mind. And once I was educated on the ego is where all my pain and suffering was coming from, I dove Deep, and I mean deep into spirituality. And it changed my entire life. We both have recommendations. I've done my, my I, I, I do, one day when, after Dr. Johnson said that to me, go find a new purpose in life, he, he just ignited something in me. And I walked in and I said to him, well, I know what I'm going to do now. Because shortly after that, my mother saw, she was seeing a positive change in me. And she came up to me and she said, I sure was worried about you. I was scared you were going to do something really terrible. But I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know what to do. So that ignited something in me. She's 90 years old. She doesn't need to worry about this. So I went into Dr. Johnson's office, and I said, I know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to take what you, your teachings, along with the occupational therapist teachings, I'm going to condense it into a 45-minute PowerPoint presentation, and I'm going to present it to Peak first responders and their family members in their own homes on zoom so they could all learn this and i said to him you know what i want to do paul i want to educate moms because that's who gets shit done doesn't it that's who gets stuff done in the household moms and a big part of ptsd is denial denial that you have a problem it's a it's a huge problem with ptsd for people to accept that they're they're sick you know, they have no problems if their pancreas is sick taking medications or if they're, they have liver problems. But if something, it's the stigma about your brain, you know, the stigma that you're not supposed to get sick. You're tough. You're strong. Well, all of this affects everybody, Dr. Johnson told me. It's impossible for this not to affect you. If this doesn't affect you, seeing kids, it's horrific things in life. You, we don't have to get into them, but we've all three seen the same stuff. You know, we've seen the same traumatizing things. If that doesn't affect you, then you really need help. That's what I learned. And then he started teaching me, and I started applying it. And the more I applied it, I started getting help from my psychologist. I blew it by my occupational therapist who I was working on. And she, she said, "There's something really, really cool here, Pat. Do you mind if, would you do a, a Zoom podcast for this?" And that's how I got started. My occupational therapist set one up with ten different first responders. None of them were paramedics, and five of her occupational therapists in her workplace. And here's another thing that uh, I learned from occupational therapy. So PTSD is the autonomic nervous system is made up of two parts. The sympathetic nervous system, which is like putting your foot on the gas pedal, which is known as fight or flight. And the other is called the parasympathetic nervous system, also known as rest and digest. It's like the brakes for the nervous system. Thank you for
2: sharing that. One of the most uh, interesting um, things that I discovered with the egoic mind was I discovered I had an unhealthy attachment to my occupation. As much as I loved my job, I loved to do what I did. I love, I w- I'm a platoon sergeant, so I loved going out on calls. I enjoyed meeting with people. That uniform, putting that uniform on every single day for 29 and a half years. Um, as much as sometimes I was tired going into shift or I would be, you know, trying to find the time to, you know, be with my kids and I feel a little bit of pressure because of that, but I still enjoyed it. I loved going into it and wearing that uniform also gave me a a sense of pride. Mm -hmm. So when you had to step away, you were a uniform, you do the same, you know, you're out in the community answering calls for service as well. Did you find that you had, is there any similarities that you had with discovering attachments that you had to your occupation as well?
0: Oh, I sure did. I sure connected with that. And you know what? You have to go to that place to get to this place, eh, Anne. Don't you right. Don't you have to go to that place to get to this place to accept it? because mm-hmm. and how I accepted it again came down to psychology. Dr. Johnson said, if you let your prof- if you let your profession get too attached to your ego, when your profession crashes, your ego crashes with it, that's what happened to me. And as soon as he said that, I went home, I started reading about it, writing about it. I was fascinated with the whole thing. And identity loss, I speak, I've showed my presentation to about 300 people so far, and identity loss comes up almost every, with every single person I talk to. Nurses, doctors, police officers, first responders, you name it. Anybody who identifies with their profession and they let it become their identity are setting themselves up for identity loss. And when their career crashes, their ego crashes with it, they don't know what to do, they self-isolate, they push away family members, they go downstairs, and they watch the Toronto Maple Leafs lose. Well, there's a better way to deal with it than that. You know, education allows us to, to understand what's happening, and that's why it's so important to educate family members. Because I know a lot of retired OP, I mean, a lot of retired police officers, OPP included, that I've, I've spoke with. And every one of them suffered from identity loss after they no longer identified as being a cop. Think of somebody high up in the military who's used to getting respect and, comm- and saluted everywhere he goes. And then he retires and he's just some dude walking down the street. That's when he says, or she says, Who the hell am I now? What was my life all about? And if they don't know what to do, extremely vulnerable to substance abuse, extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And if we educate family members about what to look out for, if we educate cops on what to look out for with identity loss, I think it's going to help them have a much better retirement because they know it's going to be coming and they're going to know what to do. What is the, what is the average um, how many months a cop retires before they die? It's not very long. You know, it's not very long. And a lot of it is due to identity loss and unable to recognize what it is, and it all came from my ego, all of it. (laughs) And learning how the egoic mind works and operates is the best advice, I, I mean, the best education I have ever received for myself in my entire life, everything I've learned nothing has done it for me more than learning how the egoic mind works it's like learning a new language and when you see it in people you see the outbursts of rage you see the judging you see it all happening and you know exactly where it's coming from and you don't take it personal when you know it's coming from because you know it's a reflection on them not you and when you don't take things personal everything changes for you you know Because a lot of people with PTSD are enraged. They're angry. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're pissed off. I was so pissed off at work. I was yelling and screaming, all of it completely ignored, left untreated. Management wouldn't say anything to me, but they'd say to my friends, is everything okay at home? No idea. Like, no clue that work is causing me to bring this toxic environment home. And the home... And, and it infiltrated its way into my home, and then it infiltrated its way back into my workplace. And it's all based on the egoic mind's fears of losing control and absolutely having no education and support. And when nobody was coming up to me and asking me about things, you know, if they would have asked me, I would have said, No, things are not okay at home. You know, the reason I'm lashing out is because I'm not getting any support and education. It's my ego's my ego's feeling threatened. It doesn't want to lose being a paramedic. And it fought and screamed and yelled and tried everything it could to keep it. But it didn't happen. But it didn't happen for a reason. But it didn't happen for a reason, you know. I, I truly believe every day I say to myself, this is destiny. I am meant to pass this on. I'm not going to stop it. I have like 3,500 hours into this. So far, and they say it takes 10,000 hours to polish your craft. I'm really excited to see where this is going to be uh, after 10,000 hours.
2: That's awesome. I'm proud of you. And uh, you've taken this struggle, which is often so confusing, burdensome, grueling, exhausting. Uh, You have to be very kind to yourself and compassionate to yourself. But when you feel that sense of identity lost and you know somebody who does our profession and other professions you work so hard over a period of time it's it's natural to become attached to what you are doing especially if you enjoyed it once upon a time the resource that i know that uh, dr j has given both of us to listen to or to read is Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And I listen to it on audio when I drive a lot. Fort Francis is in the Northwest region, very close to the Manitoba border and the Minnesota border. So if I drive to go see Dr. Johnston in uh, Thunder Bay, I listen to the audiobooks that he gives me and I reflect on those while I drive. That's my learning time. And I recognize with myself When I was going through the cognitive challenges I was facing, the brain fog, the lack of concentration, the inability to communicate what I was feeling or thinking at the time, the extreme fatigue, uh, unable to concentrate for any period of time, never mind a short period of time, but I, I love to drive. I think that's why mm-hmm. I like to patrol as much as I did, especially night shift. I love night shifts. So I would, I love to learn and I love to grow. And so the Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth book really taught me about that identity loss, that of egoic attachment. And the counter to that ego is building on yourself, on your growth. And so, mm-hmm. What it is possible is after a 30-year career to recognize how your ego becomes attached to your career and then what needs to get done in order to take that ego back. Because the ego thrives on what it wants.
0: That's right. It,
2: it dies on what it has. It doesn't feed it when you have. It always no. chronically wants. It's always
0: in searching mode. It's never in finding mode right That's so what when you can says.
2: exactly so when you turn it around on yourself to bring the focus back on your own essence to build on yourself like you're saying right now like your your ego is now attaching to the growth period on yourself right so you're gonna you're looking to share that with other people so you've really taken you've taken your ego from an outward
0: inward and And that's where you've reclaimed your power and everybody has an ego everybody needs an ego it's when your ego gets out of balance when there's problems and this is the problem with first responders people who get really high up the chains the bigger the ego gets understandably but if they understood the consequences of that I think they would look at things in a in a different light, because the egoic mind will never ever admit that it needs help ever. It won't. And many people, sad to say, that make it up into management's their their ego overtakes them. It overtakes their role, and they're actually unconscious of their actions. And. But the ego of mine will never admit that it needs help. So in order for them to admit that their staff needs help, they need to admit that they need help. And their ego will not let them do that. Now, you educate people about that. You educate people about how to deal with and process traumas. And you do it by shortening the divide between management and staff through education. Only education can work that kind of magic. Nothing else because it's not only what I've learned in my journey is it's not only uh frontline staff who are poisoning their family members with PTSD those in management positions are too because they didn't raise to that level without exposing them they didn't elevate to those levels without exposing themselves to a great deal of traumas and they were never taught on how to process those traumas and they too are bringing the signs and symptoms of PTSD home. And they too are drowning in the same river I was drowning in. You know the longest river in the world? Denial. Mm-hmm. I was drowning in denial. I had no clue I was the problem until I did, until I accepted help. And then everything in my life changed. I brought all this information home with my wife. We were learning and healing together. You talked about, You spoke about secondary trauma stress disorder. I talk about that too, how we poison our family members. I had no doubt I poisoned my wife, and us learning together allowed us to heal together. And I journaled about all of it, all of it. Dr. John, Doctor J said to me the first day I was in his office, he said to me, journaling is the key to psychology. My job is to get you to get that garbage out of your head onto paper. If you're not getting that garbage out of your head onto paper, you're not going to heal anywhere near to your potential. And I, like everybody else, says my brain's going way too fast to journal, man. I can't concentrate on that. But that's the point. Journaling slows down your brain. It slows down your brain and it allows you to be present in the present moment. I journal every day. I'm on my tenth one and I started two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I did a live presentation in Winnipeg and I that's how I, I ended it. I said my Therapist, My psychologist told me that his job was to get the garbage out of my head onto paper. And as you can see, I've taken out the trash. And I put up a picture of me with a big smile on my face with eight journals underneath me. And that's how I healed. It's all about journaling. Journaling allows you to keep the lines of communications open with yourself. You write about all the good. You write about all the bad. That accident you were into and write about it. Pat yourself on the back. I want to be like this. I don't want to be like that anymore. Because you poison. You can even take it back to like getting a flat tire. You can get a flat tire and have the flat tire and get pissed right off and get out and scream and yell and pump it up and fix it and get home and yell and scream at everybody. Or you can look at it in an entirely new light and say, you know what? I don't even know if I've ever had a flat tire before. Thank goodness I have a pump and a cell phone and you get out and you change your tire while being present. And then you get home and you just say, I had a flat tire, I fixed it. Instead of poisoning everybody around you with the fact that you got a flat tire. Then you go to work the next day and you bitch to everybody at work the next day about the flat tire. Well, the traumas that we are exposed to become the flat tires in our minds. And once you learn to deal with those and you do it through journaling, your entire life changes. And all of this is so simple. It's so basic, but it's so hard. But it's so hard.
2: It is hard. And you mentioned the book I Want to Change My Life, which is my Bible. I, um, there are four things that contribute to tension. Um, And one of the things that I wanted to reflect on a little bit when when you were mentioning a couple of things is the journaling. So, as As EMS, uh, especially police officers, we journal every single day in our notebook. We have to. And you guys make your reports. um, We make our reports. Everybody's writing things down. Everybody's documenting, documenting, documenting. It it becomes very overwhelming. So when my psychologist suggested that I journal, I looked at him like, are you kidding me?
0: I know. I was the same thing. (laughs) The same <laughs> that, is the,
2: that is the last thing. It's like, yeah. and I hope people laugh when I say this, but it's like doing your daily activity reports, the dark. Yes. And that's how um, in OPP land we have our daily activity reports that we have to do after every shift to document and account for our time. And it is every single day, the journaling every single day. So that was the last thing that I wanted to do. But I... Learn from Dr. Johnston uh, two very important things. It is not only important to ask for help, but to accept the That's help. That's
0: the key. That's the key. And right? I have, yeah.
2: To, yeah. And he is the expert. I'm not the subject matter expert, so I'm going well, to him.
0: I think you are. He's, yeah. I and think, he's. I, te- I think you're a subject matter expert because well, you've been I, through. You've been through it all. Who been? Who knows well, better? In the whole system then <laughs> somebody's been through the whole thing
2: well and it's but at the time when i was going i wasn't there i wasn't there I yet see. and so i yeah. i really had to take i really had to surrender to it which yes cops don't surrender to anything um we will not give up like you guys we will not give up you can't you're trained over year after yes. year after year so the journaling, the, yeah, the journaling was so important in the therapy and the I Want to Change My Life book has an action, I think it's section 10 on it or chapter 10 in it, but it, it talks about cognitive behavior therapy and there's a 10-step uh, process in journaling. So when you are high anxiety, high energy anxiety or low energy depression, and your mind is in that spin. The journaling not only helps you to single focus, but it also helps you to mind up. So there was one thing that was happened a couple weeks ago. I had, I'm in a return to work process, and I had to, I had to go do something with work. So obviously I get some triggers. I'm dealing with high, I'm feeling stress, I'm feeling anxiety. My mind is not going into a spin. I felt emotion. I felt anger I felt frustration and these were things that I don't think I would have been uh, recognizing in the past I would have just done mm-hmm. okay yeah. so what I did was I journaled That's I went amazing. back to my base I went back to my basic back to my coping skills that Dr. J taught me I mind dumped it. And so I yes. just kept writing until that uh, anger and that thought process, it was gone.
0: Magical, isn't it? And
2: it is. And And I, I actually, I, I blogged a little bit about it on my Instagram because I like to share the, some of the coping skills. But then not only did I mind them, but then I just doodled on my paper. I ended up going left brain, right brain. And I, once I got it out, it was out. It was gone. Yes. And I literally kept writing until I didn't have any thoughts of frustration, anger.
0: You emptied the trash. The I you know, emptied you know, the trash. My favorite line in that book is stress is the trash of modern day life. If you don't we all generate it, but if you don't dispose of it properly, it will pile up and overtake your life. And the more yeah. our traumas piled up, the heavier they got, the older we got, the heavier they got. And Our outbursts of rage from not having any support was met with, is everything okay at home, which added to the anger, added to the rage, and you can only stretch an elastic band so far before it snaps. We both went 30 years, and bang, ours snapped.
2: Yeah, and I I always thought, like you and I have talked about, I wish that they would teach this stuff at Ontario Police College.
0: It's going to happen. Right at the future. This is the future. We've both seen it. We both know this is the future. It can't be ignored. We're all poisoning our family members. Everybody is. Is it worth it? Your position, whatever it is, is it worth it doing that to everybody? No. Mm -hmm. Education changes it. And it's not about sending everybody away to psychology either. It's about giving people the proper resources and saying, here's the road to go down. Here's the resources. Go. Go it's worth it there's no better investment than investing in yourself no matter what you invest in and when you start to feel the this energy shift within you from negative energy to positive energy it radiates out of you and yeah. and do you have this need this 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 deep down need in your soul to have to share this because that's what i do because there's still nothing for paramedics and you know, some of these people are, one of the hardest things I had to do was, was disconnect myself from my coworkers because they're all enraged. They, when they tell me stories, it upsets me so much, I just can't listen to it. And, and cutting them off was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but that's what drives me every day for my presentation. This will not, cannot be ignored. It's too, it's, you know, we're all poisoning everybody. With an eye for an eye, everybody goes blind. You know, my sure. One of the teachers I gave my presentation to said, the divide is so big within the workplace, people don't even know they're on the same team anymore. And after I showed her my presentation, she said, that's exactly what we're doing to our kids too. I spoke with people in management positions that are in first responders, nursing managers. I spoke with doctors everywhere. Have you guys ever been shown on that process, the traumas you are exposed to? And the answer is no, every time. How is that possible in 2022?
2: Like even been- the simplest even the simplest things like um, the but- breath work, the, the, the power of breath or the science of breath, nasal breathing versus mouth breathing, um, yeah. the power That's- of moving your body. And that was one of the things that Dr. Johnston had written. Uh, recommended to me, which I literally quit him. We talked about this in another podcast, but I literally quit him. I was so pissed off because he told me on my, uh, it was like the first month that I went there. He he said, suggested to me that I give yoga a try. Yep. Um, I was so upset because I'm like, what do you mean? Like I'm here. Your ego was upset. My ego was upset. I was there to, I was there to receive help from him he was supposed to fix me not and i thought are you passing me off to somebody else to do the work i i eventually relented and i crashed and burned because i when i quit him i was that i left myself isolated at my home figuring this was just going to solve itself or i was going to figure out how to fix it and i was my brain was injured i couldn't even i was so out of balance and Um, ill that I there's no way I could have done it so I had to I had to go I had to learn and I and I went and I discovered the power of breath
0: yes well it was funny because I was showing you my presentation online and as I was showing you my resources you held up that book breath and that book breath changed my life too but what got it started was my occupational therapist I did my first presentation on zoom to those people, I was super nervous. And she said to me, Pat, the sympathetic, the nervous system is made up of two parts. The autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, which speeds up the nervous system, which is like putting your foot on the gas pedal, known as fight or flight. And the other is the parasympathetic nervous system. And that is rest and digest. That's like putting your foot on the brakes of the nervous system. And PTSD, you have your foot on the gas pedal, pedal to the metal. That's what PTSD is. And how do you activate the parasympathetic nervous system? With the conscious breath. And before my presentation, she phoned me a half an hour before and she brought me through breathing exercises that I still use every day and I use them every night in bed to battle insomnia. Because I had brutal insomnia. I had so much anxiety. I couldn't sleep night after night. And you spoke about audio and the power of audiobooks, it's such an incredible tool because so many people I was talking, speaking with when I first started my presentation, I was giving them these books to read and it came back all the time. I can't read, my mind's so scrambled. So I started discovering audiobooks. And for the last year of my career, I knew I was never going back as a paramedic. I was never getting back in that boiling pot of water that you, you, you spoke about, you know, like the frog in the water. I wasn't going back mm-hmm. in there. So I worked my last year as a water meter inspector. And I listened to pod, I listened audio books five, six hours every day. I would get home and I would journal what I was learning every day. I was replacing negative thought patterns with positive learning and walking because motion is the lotion. If you're not moving, you're not going to sleep properly. And if you don't sleep, you don't heal. That was the second rule Dr. J taught me. If you don't sleep, you don't heal. Focus on sleep. How do you sleep better? You learn how to empty up the trash in your head. And you know what? Soon it becomes goodnight insomnia. You can say good night to insomnia because you get all the garbage out of your head onto paper and you don't think about it anymore. And you're present. And you lay in bed listening to breathing exercises. And all of a sudden you wake up the next day and you've slept for eight hours. And your entire life changes when you focus on sleep and learning how to empty out the trash in your head.
2: I remember watching a documentary called Heal on uh, Netflix. It was used to be on Netflix. I believe it's on another medium now. But Dr. Lipton, Bruce Lipton, he talks about quantum physics and how we're all energy bodies, yes. right? And we think of ourselves as one. But what Dr. Lipton said is that we're actually like 70 trillion cells. And each one of those cells has uh, like 1.4 volts of electricity, energy so if you multiply that by 70 trillion then and you consider that we're energy bodies that are attracted or repel against other energies Mm -hmm. he talks about when the negative energy comes into you and you know we're in the justice sector you're an idiot on that like we're all in a negative energy environment a lot of the time because of our careers so once that Mm -hmm. negative energy permeates us and gets into our bodies you're right motion is the lotion because it's important to keep that inner negative energy moving so that it exits your body it doesn't yes. remain in your body yes. and you know i talk about this openly when i discovered the impact of the negative energy that i was in that boiling pot of water on the stove you know we talk about ego well, based
0: eh? All ego it's based, all okay. ego-based.
2: But when you talk about the the negative energy, I got out of the pot of boiling water because yes. I I my body was starting to shut down. It was starting to say no more in. Yes. And I got a lump in my breast. I got a lump in my kidney. I was I normally am yes. 150-ish pounds. I've got down to 125-ish. I lost a ton of weight, couldn't sleep. And I'm wondering, like how am I going to save myself here? Like I am really really sick. And normally I am out there in the community, I'm doing 350 presentations a year or I'm on the radio or the TV or the social media. I couldn't even talk to people anymore. Yes. I was so anxious to even do one media release. I was I was out of my mind, not well. But what I was going to say was the yoga moves the body in a way yeah. that it counters the energy that you're feeling yeah. and then I just last week I watched that new documentary by Jonah Hill called Stoots and I was like okay I love to body build. I'm in the gym I'm thinking it's fitness I'm working out my body's feeling stronger which is helping my brain be stronger but why is it working and then suddenly I watched this documentary and I went huh well, what's the, what Jonah Hill's psychiatrist told him is when people feel lost, focus on your life force. So your life force is like, if you think of it as a pyramid, the bottom, the foundation is your, the relationship you have with your physical body. Yeah. The, next, the next level is the relationship you have with people. And the next, the top level, is the relationship you have with yourself. But if you go to the physical body, if you move the energy, the negative energy out, if you feed it with nutritional food, if you make sure that it's around positive energy versus negative energy, which means Mm -hmm. you might have to get out for a period of time to get well before you go back in. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. But you got to focus on the life force because when you build on physical, then everything else flows from that. And I was like, my
0: mind was blown. I was sitting there going, huh,
2: that's why I'm doing it.
0: All well, so simple. Eh? See, the problem is, though, I, was, I don't know how bad your depression was, but I couldn't even get out of bed some days. And just the mm-hmm. thought of tying up my shoes brought on anxiety. And I promised myself, I'm just going to walk to the end of the driveway and back. That's it. The hardest part was getting started. Once I put my shoes on and took that first step, it was always easier. And and then I got into Eckhart Tolle who talked who speaks about the power of forest therapy and connecting with nature and wow, did that ever take things to an entirely different level? And then I started introducing proper audiobooks and I journaled about all of it and I wanted to share it with people because it's game changing, it's life changing, it changes your life and everybody's life around you. Just like I poisoned everybody with the ugly byproducts of PTSD. Well now I'm doing the opposite. You know, I wanna teach them to avoid those. And how do we do it? Through education and support. And when people, for, I, talk, I speak with many first responders, just the thought of going back into that boiling pot of water gives them anxiety. If that, bottle, yeah. if that water was turned down and they knew it wasn't going to hurt them, they would be, I would have loved to jump back in, wouldn't you? I would have loved yeah. to jump back in. But there's no way I was jumping back in while it was boiling. It was going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know what you're fighting with? Your ego. Because your ego is going, Pat, you're a paramedic. Yours is saying, ah, you're a cop. You can't give this up. You kidding me? This is what we're all about, man. And that's what you battle. You battle what's good for you, and you battle what your ego is telling you what to do. And more often than not, your ego wins because you're in a state of fight or flight because your foot's on the gas pedal and you're in a constant state of alert. You're constantly in fight or flight. And you don't see mm-hmm. things clearly. And that's how your ego can take over your life.
2: Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. I'm having these same conversations with my daughters. My my eldest is in college right now, so she's training to be a paramedic, and you know it's a tough course. So I'm cha- I'm challenging her as well to, you know, she's watched me, and you know I'm very proud of her because she's been in the gym. She started going to the gym um, about a year and a half ago and making huge gains taking care of herself and she's building her strength where she you know a year and a half ago also struggled with her anxiety as well but I'm seeing improvement with her and you mentioned one thing that we both we all do here now is we will connect with nature Yes, I love to hike I love to snowshoe I I try to get out there at least a couple times in the week, regardless of weather, because I find it very grounding, even just to sit and listen when yeah. I'm out in the trail, yeah. and I, I have done EMDR for no, my I, movement, and because I, I attended i I've heard really center.
0: good things about that. I didn't do that, but I've heard really good things about that.
2: Yeah, and it was, well, it's basically a reprogramming of your memory. Right, so it's not erasing yep. a memory but it's when I went to a, a horrific call um, it was very very troubling, it was a fatal and it was last uh, last summer and I, I personally, I knew the individual who had passed away and it bothered me, like okay it bothered me, I'm human, right but I, I had I did the EMDR process last year, but I was able to use an image, which was, it's a beaver house. It's a, it's a pond area that I hiked to. And that is, that was my happy place, right? Mm -hmm. The energy, all five senses, what I saw, heard, taste, smell, sound, Mm -hmm. whatever, I'm out there. I can visualize it in every sense. And so when I would recall the trauma my psychologists train me to go to the positive image. And so when I'm stressed with something, it's just another coping skill layers the onion. And then, Mm -hmm. but when I'm also feeling stressed, Pat, I go to that place.
0: No, me too. So So our stories are so cool. They're so like, we're definitely on the same road, aren't we? Yeah. The amazing thing about forest therapy is Your whole job is to go out there, connect with your five senses, and stop thinking and be present. And no devices to distract you, just you and your five senses connecting with nature. Because when you're present, something really interesting happens. The egoic mind needs past and future to survive, you know, obsessing about the past or worrying about the future. But when you're present, none of that happens. And when you're present, you forget what your problems are. And you just connect with nature, and that's what it comes down to. We're all children in nature, and if we connect with the source, that's how we gain energy and replace that negative energy that you were speaking about with positive energy. I And
2: I think that that, okay, so if we go back to that life force, right, it's not only the relationship with the physical, but you also need to have relationship with people. And I am so grateful that, you know, i grateful for you, Scott, because you know, you've know you introduced me to this medium that is helping to get the message out. But I'm really grateful. You know, I'm going to give a shout out to Jeff Goodman and Thunder Bay who connected you and I, Pat, because he heard the similarities of our messaging. But for me to be able to talk with you and share with you and vice versa, I'm learning from you. You're learning from me. I've done I've done presentations in the community of Fort Francis where it's to just a general public audience. And I have people come to me and say, I'm feeling the same way that you are. I just Mm -hmm. didn't realize that that is what I was feeling or thinking or why. So it's really important that we talk to each other about it. And removing the stigma is so important because then we realize There's not only many differences, because everybody's journey with PTSD or mental illness is different, but there's so many similarities, right?
0: Yes, and educating your family members is huge, because keeping the lines of communications open is how you keep your marriage and family together. When Dr. Johnson, I said to him that I want to educate founding members, I remember he jumped out of his chair and he said, that's the key right there. That's why divorces are so high. That's why suicides are so high. That's why substance abuse is so high, because the lack of communications break down. People don't have to go home and speak about their traumatizing events they saw and get into the gory details. Just advise your spouse and the children that you're struggling and you need time. Now everybody's on the same page, because... Far too many kids take it personal when you go downstairs and self isolate, and they think they did something wrong. And just like that, that's how you poison your family members. And the scary part is, again, you don't even know you're doing it.
2: Right. And reach out. And if you don't have a psychologist, get one. You know, we have we have tremendous benefits. We have uh, yes. we have the association, and I and I'm going to give a shout out to the association because. I've had to go through processes and you're always looking for a source that's confidential, right? Yes. And so a psychologist, social worker, we have those resources that are available to us. So use them. Even if you don't think you need them, give it yes. a shot. Yes. Go and try it. Even if you go quarterly, just go. Yes. And so yes. you might... You might learn something a little bit and if there's something going on at your workplace then let your let your association know Yes, go through that process in order to you know there may be something that they might be able to offer some support with if nothing else just tell them what's going on so that you're not feeling like you're facing it alone
0: and educating people in management positions to what look out for. So when they see somebody like me running around, yelling and screaming, they recognize that as a symptom and they don't blame it on my home. And they say, you need help. And why or do we all need help? Because there's no support in education. You know, you guys are very lucky you have unlimited psychology. Paramedics get $300 a year. That's what drives me every day, and you, it's not you, we don't have to send everybody away to a psychologist that's not the answer. The answer is to educate people and teach them to that, that just simply speaking about these events with somebody that you can trust can bring it to a level in your mind that you just simply can't do by yourself. S- just yeah. simply speaking about the traumas that happen to us in life, and we all get them. Speaking about them, writing about them, accepting them. To avoid trauma is to avoid life. We all have childhood traumas. And when I learned that, and when I learned heal the boy and the man will appear, well, Mm -hmm. that's where journaling came in. That's where the healing kicked into overdrive. Because nothing happened to me that doesn't happen to everybody. But I thought it was just me. But once you realize that just about everybody has childhood traumas and they're all running from them, and when they, my healing started when I was taught to stop running, to turn around and face them and start writing. And when I did that, my entire life began to change. The negative energy, the pendulum in my body switched from negative energy to positive energy.
2: I, I appreciate that message very much. Last February, I lost my best friend, um, retired Constable Pete, into into suicide and one of the things that he and i shared over like we had a 20 year plus friendship and on the same platoon for many years um, one of the things that he he spoke with me at great length when i was promoted and i was starting a new role as a supervisor he went through some things at work that he he felt he wasn't supported with yes. and so I didn't take that as, it's not a criticism. It was just, he blame was telling the system, me.
0: Not, we need to blame yeah, the system, not, not, not make it people. personal. Right. Don't make and it personal.
2: So, right. One of the things that he shared with me was as a supervisor, when quality of work starts to go down, look a little deeper. Because yes. we work with very professional individuals hardworking, A-type personalities, the ethic is there. So when the work quality starts to go down, when typically the baseline is pretty steady, that's your first indicator.
0: That's it. Know the signs and symptoms.
2: Know the signs and symptoms. And that is one of the things. And if you're struggling, my hope is that you would have a supervisor that is supportive and understanding and empathetic that you can share that information with. Even to say to somebody like an association member or your psychologist, if you don't feel safe emotionally, mentally, in the workplace, then your psychologist is that safe person.
0: That's right. Your psychologist
2: is going to give you information and advice and knowledge to put into play, to put into action.
0: Yes. And how do we get management people in management to have more empathy? By educating them. Imagine if the supervisor goes to the psychologist, all of a sudden he's going to have a lot more empathy for someone else because now he's going to know, wow, that is powerful stuff. This is so basic, so powerful, so game changing. This is the future. Me and you have both seen it. We know it's coming. And... Yeah, I'm I'm actually very excited about this because there's no way this is going to be ignored because the more pe- people like me and you who speak out, the more traction it's going to get and the more mm-hmm. we can start to demand for better education and support in the workplace because right. forcing us to get back in that boiling hot water is not going to help. And two things that I would just like to finish off by saying two things that drove me was, number one, my mother didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to say so i wanted to educate mothers but the other thing is i had a friend of mine a very close friend of mine who's a who's a colleague paramedic and he we both had the same amount of experience in he went he told me he went off with he went off with prostate cancer about uh 10 years ago and he got cards and letters and visits from management and staff and when he got a mental stress injury crickets nothing Not only from management, but from staff members, too. I don't even think the staff members know what to say. I don't even know they know what to do. But it's critical to know that somebody's there. And PTSD sufferers feel isolated and alone because they are isolated and alone. And we can change all of it.
2: Yeah. We push people away that we love. We push love away when we're not feeling well like
0: that. That's what PTSD does. You push yeah. away love. You push away the people you need the most. But what therapy does is it teaches you about self-love. You can't give love unless you have love. You can't give something you don't have. And in 2019, I didn't have a lot of self-love. I really didn't. But now I do. And, it, ha- and it works. It works by, it works by normalizing the symptoms. What happened to you and I? Exact same story. It's happening to everybody. It's not just me and you. That's what the system is doing to us. Now, if we want to have first responders, then we need to look after them. And we need to teach their family members on what to look out for. And we need to teach the family members not to take things personal. Because a lot of times it's not a reflection on them, but they take it personal. And understanding when you have the resources and support. Like wrap yourself
2: wrap yourself with. We mobilize and engage. That is what police officers' strengths are. You think, you know, you automatically think it's crime prevention or it's, you know, public safety. But our expertise is mobilization and engagement. We pull in the resources in our community to surround a circumstance so we can solve a problem and do it in the most effective and efficient way. Well, guess what? We need to do that for ourselves. And we need to do that right from the beginning of our career.
0: That's right. So that
2: when the shit hits the fan and we are in crisis or we get, we're getting close to being in crisis, those resources are already in play. And we just yeah. have to make a phone call and get, them, get ourselves back in there. Or when yes. our families or our loved ones say to us, Are you doing okay yeah. with this? Because we won't see it. They'll see it first. We Absolutely. listen to them. We listen yeah. to them, and we listen to the whispers in our life.
0: And, and it's from have... multiple sources, too. Multiple sources is big there, too. If you hear it from your spouse, and then you hear it from a couple of co-workers, start to think yeah. to yourself, huh, somebody's seeing stuff here. That's what happened to me. That's what happened yeah. with me. It wasn't until I heard it from multiple people, and people who care about you, and people who know the symptoms. And yeah. how do we pr- improve employees' lives? By teaching them how to improve their personal lives and their families' lives and once you do that you're gonna have happier safer employees who are going to come to work imagine if you're uh, on all of the bottom of your documents that you guys have to all the paperwork that you have to do if there was a little spot that just said how did this make you feel how did it make you feel when you saw a 14 year old young girl hang herself you know none of that's in the report how it made you feel right that's journaling you could order you could you can incorporate that right into the report and that would help people because just writing about the traumatic events that you just saw in a, in a professional manner, you know, that doesn't really help you accept what you just saw, you know, talking about it, the importance of peer support. You know, my, I went off when my partner said to me, not my partner, my colleague said to me, you know what? You need help, man. Go for help. And the way you're going to heal is to focus on love. The people you love, the pets you love, the things you love to do, but your first important step is to accept that you have a problem. And equally important is accepting the help. And you know what? I didn't know it at the time, but his advice was the best advice anybody ever gave me because this is how I found self-love.
2: Yeah, and that's so true. I think for me and uh, for my family, I... Rec- when I was able to step back with the help of my psychologist and reflect on it, I yeah. realized my values weren't aligning with my life anymore. Yes. And yes. Dr. J said, Ann, you you're, you're need to start seeking balance and how to get there. And it's working with all the different components. But once I recognized my top two priorities and my values in my life are, were health and family. Yes. Right? Not work. Both family. Not work. Not work. Work isn't even in the top 50.
0: So yeah, but your ego doesn't how, think that, though. But your, exactly. Your ego, your ego thinks my identity is a cop, man. My family second. Well, we need <laughs> to teach people. You're, that's just a role you're playing in life. You're just, that's just a role. And what surprised me was how many mothers suffer from identity loss who are stay-at-home mothers who their whole life was raising these children. And then when the children moved out of their house... They completely lost. They have identity loss. They completely lost sight of who they are. They don't know who they are. And when I learned that, I was like, wow, this affects everybody, doesn't it? It sure does. And, it's again, it's about finding balance. You need ego to be in these positions. But when your ego overtakes the role, that's when you have problems in life. And that's when you push away love and you push away everybody away from you. And that's how you lose your family members. It's the cause of the family breakdown
2: when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? And that's exactly what the resources have helped us do. I'd like to just take this moment to thank you so much for coming today to share your story and your experiences with us. I know that uh, we could probably go on and on about this for many hours, um, but I I thank you for the work that you're doing in order to help remove the stigma um, in all Aspects of, you know, teachers, doctors, family, like whatever, mental, whoever mental the audience health. is, yeah. mental health is mental health. And it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to step away to get your help. If that is what you need to do, it is not yes. selfish. It's it is necessary. Brave. It's brave. very brave, very courageous. And I hope that other members will hear this and find some inspiration and some courage in building some of the coping into their own respective lives. And I just want yes. to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming in today. I appreciate you very much. And thank you, Scott, as well.
0: I would just like to add that okay. I, I think we all have a role to play with, with exposing the, the stigma that surrounds PTSD, we all have a role to play, even if your role is simply talk, speaking about it. We need to get it out there. We need to accept that there's a problem. Until society accepts there's a problem and, and people in both management and, and frontline staff admit that there's a problem, we're, we're really not going to move forward but we work in an evolving professions and psychology allows us to evolve with it. Occupational therapy allows us to evolve with it. And even if your job is simply speaking about it with family members, because that's what it's about. It's about educating everybody around you. Then everything changes. And, and it's clear to me that your role is to do doing what you're doing. And I would like to say to the audience that's listening that, Your role, what you're doing right now, is what you're meant to do, and that's your part. My presentation is my part. I want to ask the people in the audience, what's your part?
1: That brings us to a conclusion here today, and what a great uh, conversation, and uh, I thank you both. Uh, Thanks, Anne, for for co-hosting. It was definitely a pleasure to listen to, and... uh, I think uh, other people are going to take uh, what you're saying quite seriously and, uh, and make those changes uh, in your lives. It's very brave what both of you have, do- have done here. And, uh, so that is our, uh, our episode for this week. You have been listening to Fort Francis OPP Sergeant Anne McEwen and Thunder Bay Paramedic Pat Dixon uh, from the Rainy River District in northwestern Ontario. And if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button on the podcast platform uh, of your choice uh, so you never miss uh, an episode. Our uh, episodes uh, drop on Fridays at 6 a.m. And once again, thank you, Ann, for co-hosting today and suggesting Pat as a guest. Uh, we hope you've all enjoyed today's episode. And from everyone here at the OPP Association, thanks for listening and be safe.